This is Pathlight. Hello, everyone. I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, inviting you to stay tuned for these next 30 minutes or so, a Bible study, fellowship, and a special message today from the Word of God and called Resurrection and Restoration is the name of the uh, of the message today. We want to thank you for tuning in on this Easter Sunday. If you happen to be listening today, I realize some listen by way of social media or other ways, but uh, if you're listening on radio today through the Go Mix Radio Network, we're so glad to have you tuned in on any of the stations today that are sharing the Word of God in music and song and programming. We're so honored to uh, to be a part of that. Let me also mention, by the way, our appreciation for everyone that has supported the Go Mix Spring share It's been tremendously successful. Now, this week, we have scheduled an additional day, two days, three days, whatever it takes to reach that final goal of $250,000. And and I, I just want to remind you that, that the share helps us in so many ways keep the radio stations in operation, keep the music coming, keep the programming uh, coming, not just this program, but many pastors' programs are, uh, we help underwrite those through the general fund of, uh, of, of, of our share and it helps us so much, and we just appreciate your help and your prayerful support. If you've already given, we say thank you. If you've not given yet, we ask you to prayerfully consider doing so. You can do that from the GoMix uh, giving webpage, just uh, give GoMix dot o-r-g and that's a secure site you can go to now if you'd like to know more about the radio ministry you can visit the full site of gomixradio.org and read up a little bit about the programs and the history and things like that of gomix and then if you decide to give you can still go to the contributions page it's just a click there that uh, that you can use all right just before today's message though i've got a musical selection coming your way And I want you to listen very closely to the words of this song. This is a group called The Crossman on Go Mix. And the name of the song is is called He Wouldn't Let Go. You stand by for today's message, but I hope you enjoy our musical selection today. They took our dear Savior and crucified Him. The nails couldn't hold Him, so He held on to them. Nearly all day long This pure fountain flowed For some earthly reason He wouldn't let go He didn't have to hang there Like he did all day long His angels were standing by Ten thousand strong They just stood at attention like they surely didn't know There must be some reason He wouldn't let go Up from the ground, 
They made their best offer, still it wouldn't come down. They meant to be the reason why he suffered so, but they were the reason. Crossman on today's Pathlight program and entitled He Wouldn't Let Go. He Wouldn't Let Go. What, what, a, what a great sound and what, uh, what a truthful, truthful word that is. He indeed wouldn't let go. This day we're going to be talking to you on the subject of resurrection and restoration. Resurrection and restoration. I want to focus a little bit on Simon Peter today. In Luke 24, 34, there's a little account given there. Actually, it's just one sentence or a partial sentence, which says this, The Lord has risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Of course, referring to Simon Peter. Again, that reference is Luke 24 and verse number, number 34. The Lord has risen, and furthermore, the Lord has appeared to Simon. The resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the most important, the most decisive event in history. It also serves, of course, as the focal point of the Christian faith. All four Gospels end with vivid accounts of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. The preaching of the evangelists and pastors from the earliest day, even to today, those who are faithful at least, have focused on the death and resurrection of our Lord. Missionaries have carried the message around the world. We've utilized the printing press and radio and television and now today social media to get the message out that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world and that he rose victoriously the third day. That has been our message from the beginning. However, it's important to remember that those followers of our Lord Jesus who first came to that tomb on that Resurrection morning did not expect it to be empty. The women who came to anoint him with spices did not expect the tomb to be empty. The death of Jesus brought confusion and a sense of despair to their lives. Now, that certainly happened to all the disciples, but I want to focus, if I could, for a few moments today on Simon Peter. Simon Peter needs no introduction. He was often the outspoken one, wasn't he? 
He's the one who was willing to step out of the boat and walk on the water, if you remember. He was the one who was always quipping his comments to the Lord. Many times you'd be reading a narrative about the Lord speaking, and almost to interrupt, Simon Peter would, would, would interject something that he wanted to say. That was his nature. That was the nature of Simon Peter. He was, he was kind of bold when it came to things like that. But one day, as Peter warned, warmed himself at the campfire of the world, someone, it apparently was a young maiden, apparently recognized him as a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and as you remember, just as the Lord had predicted, the Lord said, Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter would indeed do that, denying the Lord three times before the cock would crow. Lest we become too critical of Simon Peter, we need to remember that at that time he did not have the power of the Holy Spirit upon his life. Also, we need to acknowledge that fear can make you behave totally out of normal character. I'm sure we've all done that on occasion when due to fear or grief or anxiety or whatever it may have been, we, we just don't act like we would normally act. Peter at that moment was in fear of his life. Thus, he did the unthinkable, and that is he denied his Lord. But you see, now it's resurrection morning. And I'm wondering if Peter's anxiety goes beyond mere confusion, maybe there's also a sense of fear and dread. Maybe they were hiding out in fear of the authorities. Perhaps now they might even be accused of stealing the body and overpowering the guards if word gets out that the body is missing. Yet perhaps there's also another element in their fear. Perhaps there was a bit of anxiety about meeting the Lord. After all, they had promised to stick with him and they forsook him. Simon Peter had said, uh, you know, I'll stick with you. Everybody else may deny you, but I won't. But Simon Peter indeed did deny him, actually did it three times. The women also who arrived first at the tomb received the message from the angel to go and tell the disciples, but to especially tell, if you remember, Simon Peter. I'm reading now in Mark 16, 7. It says, but go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee there ye shall see him as he said unto you. Go tell the disciples and Peter. I think that and Peter there is, is very, very profound because Peter is the one who, was, who most outspokenly confessed him, but then but later most outspokenly deny him. Now, quite frankly, this may not have been the best news for a man feeling a sense of deep guilt over his sin. What is Jesus going to say to Peter? Maybe Peter is wondering here, oh my goodness, I, I'm not sure if this is a good thing. Boy, it, it, Jesus may come down very hard on me for denying him. Is, is he going to punish me? Is there going to be some retribution? And, 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 and if, if, if not that, just, just the, the, the mere fact of having to, to face him, to encounter him after what I've done. When Peter appeared to the disciples as they hid behind closed doors, I need you to remember it was not the first time Peter had seen him after his resurrection. There was apparently a private appearance to Peter. Now, the Gospels are completely silent as to the details of this meeting, as to what went on, as to where it occurred, how it occurred, the exact narrative of it. We don't know. Luke is the one that writes that scripture I gave you a moment ago. The Lord has indeed has risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Luke is the one that tells us that. Somewhere along the way, on that first day of the week, even before the Lord met the Emmaus Road disciples, even before the Lord appeared to the others behind the closed doors, 
somewhere along the line, he had already appeared to Peter. That's what Luke says. The Lord has risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Apparently Simon Peter had conveyed this to Luke so that Luke would later write that under inspiration of the Holy Ghost so that you and I would have that today and have access to that knowledge. He had already appeared to Peter. On the day that changed the world, Jesus took time to personally appear to Simon Peter. Peter, of course, would become the leader of the church, one of the leaders of the church, the preacher of that first Christian sermon at Pentecost, the one who broke the racial barrier by offering the gospel to the Gentiles. That, that one, of course, was Peter. I can't help but wonder how this encounter between Jesus and Peter, how it transpired. We don't know. Maybe Peter was so haunted by the things that had happened, he, he had vowed he'd never deny the Lord. He'd never run away. He'd never uh, be a coward. He, uh, he, he vowed he, he'd never forsake the Lord, but yet he did. In a span of minutes, he broke all his promises and unlikely went away holding his head down in shame. But now Sunday dawns. It's time to make plans for the next chapter of life. What are we going to do? This, this was all pretty neat while it lasted, but Jesus is dead now. Uh, Simon Peter is going to say, I go a fishing. He said, look, fellas, this was nice while it lasted, but it's over now. i got to make a living. I'm a fisherman by trade, so all I know to do is go fishing. Some believe that's why he'd later tell the fellow, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. Maybe he'd spent all his silver and gold on uh, trying to reestablish his fishing business. I'm not sure. But in a span of minutes, he had broken all his promises to the Lord. Now Sunday's dawning. But all plans now that they may have had of what are you going to do today? How are you going to spend this Sunday? What are you going to do today? Where are you going to go? Where are we going for lunch or whatever the deal is? All the things that perhaps they had planned to do. Suddenly all this is put on hold because Mary comes in and says, The tomb of Jesus is empty. Peter and John hasten to that tomb, and John gets there first and looks in. But Peter arrives and goes in. John follows. John believes. But I believe Peter still has some questions about this. Peter and John go back to the other disciples. No one knows what happened at that meeting. We can only surmise it would have been so cool to have been a fly on the wall. What went on there? My hunch is they probably argued. They seem to, the disciples seem to argue quite a bit. And, and I'm assuming at that moment, uh, someone said, uh, no, he must have risen from the grave. No, no, that, that, that can't be. John says, he's risen. He puts, it, he puts together all of Jesus' teachings. He's looking back now, and he said, you know, this is some of the things he told us. He told us that this was going to happen. Uh, but others perhaps say, no, no, there's, there's no way that could happen. Some argue that it would be best, maybe, maybe, fellas, we just need to get out of town. Uh, they're going to find us. They're going to catch us. They might do the same to us. Maybe the best thing we can do is make a, a speedy exit. Others say, no, well, Mary says the tomb is empty. Let's wait and see what happens. I wonder if Simon Peter was off in the corner somewhere, maybe for once in his life quiet, for once not being the leader. Maybe part of him hoped it was true. Maybe part of him was worried that it was true. What do you say to the risen Lord, the same Lord that you have denied three times? What happened when the Lord had first appeared to Peter? Did Peter go for a walk to get out of the house while everyone argued? Did he slip back down the streets while, where no one was likely to see him and identify him as one of Jesus' disciples? 
Did he find an unmarked trail up the Mount of Olives to be alone? Is that what he did? Did he look down at the city, seeing the temple Jesus cleansed and the hill where Jesus died and the house of the chief priest where Simon Peter had denied the Lord? Did, did he surmise the geography and look back and reminisce the things that had happened? Maybe it was at this moment that Jesus appeared to Peter. I can imagine Jesus coming up behind Peter, tapping him on the shoulder and speaking to him words of kindness and words of forgiveness. I can but imagine, imagine that. Peter probably was frightened, probably startled hearing that voice that perhaps he knew so well. When Peter turned and saw Jesus' face, what did he see? I imagine Jesus smiling at him. Peter might have taken two steps back in shock. Did Jesus reach out and hug Peter? I, I, I can see him doing that. What did Jesus say? What did Peter say? Did Peter say anything? Did Jesus say, I forgive you? Did he say, fear not? Was that his first words to Peter as it would later be with the others? Did Jesus remember another moment when, when Peter, when he walked on the water and his fear got the best of him, when, when Peter started to sink and Jesus grabbed his hand and saved him from the waves? You remember that? I remember if Jesus is perhaps reaching out his hand at that moment and saying, Jesus is saying, Peter, if you feel like you're sinking, you know I can help you. I've done it before. And I've got a feeling, Simon, Peter did feel like he was sinking at that moment. Well, we'll never know what happened during that encounter. We'll never know what happened. My hunch is, I guess we may know in glory, but we're certainly not going to know on this earth. My hunch is, is the moment was too sacred for Peter, too holy for him to describe. Sometimes maybe you've had encounters with the Lord in your life. I know I have. And sometimes I've had encounters with the Lord over these years that I've not told anybody about. Some, some things are just so amazing, so profound, so astounding that you know your words will not do it justice. You know it was a private moment between you and the Lord. Sometimes you just need to keep quiet. Sometimes you, you just can't share what the Lord's doing in your life. Maybe this was such a moment. Now let's look back again at what happened as they were now assembled together. Suddenly they hear these words, peace be unto you. Peace. The disciples had not been at peace in several days. Although Peter was the one that most vocally denied the Lord, they, they knew they'd all ran and hid. They knew they were all in fear. They, they knew that all of them had retreated at that moment. Peace. The disciples had not been at peace. They didn't see peace on their horizon. Anguish and guilt filled their souls and robbed them of any hope of peace. But now they received assurance from the risen Lord that he came to them in the spirit of peace. I can picture Peter falling at the feet of Jesus. That's, that's what he did when he witnessed the great drought of fishes. Remember, he fell at the feet of Jesus. He, he requested the Lord depart from even, from even his presence. He acknowledged, he said, I'm a sinful man. I'm unworthy to be in, the, in your presence. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Then, as the eleven gathered behind closed doors, Peter was given the ultimate assurance that he had been forgiven. Then said Jesus, I'm reading in John 20, 21, Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me. Even so, send I you. What profound words. The disciples are being entrusted with a mission. Peter the Christ-denying, cursing preacher, if you will, is being entrusted with a mission. 
I would imagine Peter assumed he had forfeited all right to be useful for the master. He assumed that probably he'd never be used again. Man, I've blown any opportunity I've ever had to serve the Lord. But now he receives a new and grand commission of service, ultimately to take the gospel to the entire world. Who who would send someone into service who had already deserted the ranks, who had failed miserably? Who, Who would send someone like that? Why would Jesus do such a thing? Of course, there's an element of forgiveness. We know that. But maybe there's something more at play here that we want to discuss in a moment. You know, I can imagine if I invited you to come to church and say, I want you to come to church this week. And we got a fellow here who's, who's within the last uh, few weeks, the last few days, denied the Lord. He's cursed and swore he's the cursing preacher. That's what everybody says about him. And, and I'm not talking about 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I'm talking about recently he's done this. And I want you to come here and preach. You'd probably say, preacher, I don't want to come hear that fellow preach. And you got no business even having him in the church. But that's who Jesus chose. You, you, you know, that, that shows the Lord's ways are not our ways. I, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. And I'm speaking in my humanity. Peter wouldn't have been my first choice to preach, or preach the sermon at Pentecost. Would he have been yours? I, I mean, think about it for a moment. But he was God's choice. But I can also relate that to me. I wouldn't be my choice to to be a preacher either. But God chose me, and I'm so glad, so glad that he did in his grace and mercy. Jesus chose Peter. Yes, there's forgiveness, but there's something more. The empty tomb was not just the tomb of Jesus. No, it was the tomb of Peter also. I believe that. Simon Peter, the man who was confused, afraid, weak, and and unfaithful now emerges as a courageous man of faith. The resurrection not only changed Christ, it also changed Peter. The fact is now the fact is, is now promised and soon will be experienced a reality as Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. He now speaks the word of God with boldness and, and one day will ultimately be crucified upside down on a cross as a martyr for the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the future of Simon Peter. And Simon Peter is now commissioned by the Lord to go out and preach the gospel. What a commission. The contrast between Peter in the gospels and Peter in the book of Acts is one of the most convincing proofs of the power of Christ's resurrection and the mighty workings of the Holy Spirit. If he could turn the Simon Peter in the Gospels into the Simon Peter in the book of Acts and the Simon Peter that we read about in First and Second Peter, all the power that he has to change the hearts and the souls and the lives and the destiny of all men, Peter in the Gospel was impulsive, undependable slow of heart to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. There was so many things Peter just didn't get and didn't want to get, for that matter. However, after Pentecost, Peter meets us being firm, being courageous, filled with faith, ready to die for the cause of Christ, understanding the commission and willing to obey God no matter whether what God said made sense to Peter or not. He was willing to follow the mandates of our Lord. Just like Peter, you and I have also experienced a resurrection. If you've been saved, been born again, remember a time when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
when just like Simon Peter, you acknowledge, I am a sinner. I have failed. I have denied the Lord, maybe if not with my words, certainly with my life, with my actions, with my attitudes. I have denied the Lord, and I know I'm a sinner. But you called on Jesus Christ to save your soul, believing he died for you on the cross of Calvary. And yes, that he rose victoriously the third day. You believe that? You call upon him to save you. And then that mighty working of the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit that came into Peter's life will come into yours. Peter is a different man now, and so am I. I'm a different man than I was prior to my conversion. And you can be a different person too. A new person, a new man, a new woman in Christ. All things are passed away. All the old things is gone. The old man is dead. All the old sins are forgiven as cast away from God as far as the east is from the west. And now you're totally a new creation in Jesus Christ and live every day to be conformed his image. Just like Peter. If you're saved, you and I have also experienced that resurrection. Stop agonizing over your sins. Stop doubting about what Jesus thinks of you and fearing to step out on faith. There's no need for that anymore. No. With courage, with courage, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You, you, you know what that means, my dear friends. Do you know what that means? That means that you have the power, the power to step out in faith. You have the power of faith and fulfillment. You have the power of a new life. You have a power of obedience and strength and service. You have the power to make difficult decisions with conviction and understanding. You have the power to stare down the devil when he tempts you. Rise up. Rise up, Peter. You've been forgiven to the uttermost and commissioned to spread the kingdom of God to the world. And so do you and I, my dear friend. No, maybe you've not denied the Lord verbally as Peter did. But if you're like me, many times you have in your own way. But forgiveness is yours. If you're a Christian, you've stumbled, you've backslidden, you need to claim your forgiveness right now. Claim your forgiveness right now through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and through His resurrection. If you've never trusted the Lord, you need to do so. And you need to do so before you get one heartbeat, one step, one breath closer to eternity. And I can assure you, it'll be the greatest decision that you ever make. One of the last conversations our Lord Jesus Christ had with Peter records words, I believe, that the chief shepherd would like to say to you and I. He told Simon Peter, if you remember, he said, Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Go out and care for, look after, nourish and strengthen the flock of God. That was a commission to Peter, but it's also your commission and mine today. You've been commissioned and recommissioned for service in the kingdom. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Peter got that message and years later would take pen in hand and even write about it in his book that we're to shepherd the flock of God willingly. God bless you. You have a wonderful Easter is my prayer. Until next time, T.D. Worthington saying, May God's richest blessings 
be upon you and yours. <laughs>